Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning. Father, even as we are here in your house, Lord, in your presence, Lord. Yes, Lord, there's nobody greater than you. No one like our God. No one who's worthy of all our praise, adoration and worship. And therefore this morning we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, even as we look to you, look at, look to your word this morning, I pray that Lord you truly sanctify us by your truth. Your word says that your word is the truth and therefore sanctify us, set us apart a little more, O Lord Jesus, wash us all the ideas and the lives, lies that we may have received through this week, O Lord, through all the kinds of media, in our conversations, O oh Lord, I pray, Father, that you would wash us by the water of your word and cleanse us, O oh Lord, and sanctify us and set us apart so that, Lord, we can be holy vessels, O oh Lord, prepared and ready for the master's use in whatever capacity you want to use us, O oh Lord. And therefore, to that end, I pray that you would bless even and anoint even the speaking and the hearing of today's teaching. Father, speak to our hearts and, Lord, direct our footsteps, O oh Lord Jesus, and direct our minds to understand, uh, Father, your ways and your and, and your and your thoughts, O oh Lord Jesus. Grant us insight, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we'll continue to meditate upon one of the aspects of um, the application of the cross in our lives. Um, in First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-two uh, onwards, we see that <clears throat> Jews uh, require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So what is the foolishness of God? Christ crucified. That's Okay, that's what it says, foolishness of God. What is the weakness of God? Christ crucified. And therefore, and what is the wisdom of God? Christ crucified. What is the power of God? Christ crucified. So that is what we're looking at. The wisdom of God. And true wisdom. We obtain the true wisdom. The wisdom that God uh, desires that each one of, of us should have is a wisdom by the application of the cross in our lives. That is the kind of wisdom we're talking about. We're just not talking about intellectual knowledge or uh, logic or any of those things primarily. We're talking about application of the cross especially to our soul because that is the soul is the seat of our will and our emotions and our and our mind on our thoughts and our logic um, we should never try to be clever before we surrender our will to god that is the reason that the first piece of furniture even as you enter into the holy place is the the table of shoe bread and what is the, what do you have on the table of shoe bread you have the bread of the presence and how is that bread of the presence prepared is by gathering all the grain, crushing it, kneading it and making it into one homogeneous mixture. Uh, gathering the grain from all different parts of the field, but it, it has to be crushed, uh, will which is surrendered and completely set apart before God. And, uh, and first is a surrendered will and then you have an illuminated, illuminated mind. Okay, so we never want to be clever. We never want to be wise without surrendering our will first. Okay, that is something which we need to always keep in mind. But to him 
Of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. So this this kind of wisdom, how do we obtain this kind of wisdom, is by application of the cross. So this morning we'll look at briefly the wisdom of the cross, the seven aspects of it. We looked at it in different contexts, but this wisdom is only obtained. We can have this wisdom, the wisdom from God. Wisdom which comes from above only by the application of the cross in our lives. So there's two different kinds of wisdom. The distinction is very important. So let us look at uh, this the wisdom uh, book in the New Covenant or the epistle in the New Covenant, which is essentially the book of James. <clears throat> Let's look at a few verses, familiar portions, but we'll look at more insight that the Lord will give us even as we meditate upon these familiar portions, very important portions in the Bible. This, this is James chapter 3, verses 13 onwards. <clears throat> Who is wise? Who is wise? The Bible is asking this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Okay. Who is wise? Notice the phrase. Who is wise and understanding among you? Among you. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You see that? Look at, look at that. Fantastic. See, so the wisdom which is from above is essentially meek. Okay, so, and, and he's, uh, he's putting this phrase, who is this person who is wise and understanding among you? Now, you need to understand that the, the new covenant preacher, uh, teachers or the epistle writers, everyone, uh, including Paul, I mean, including, um, James and Peter, Paul, of course, was saturated with the, with the scriptures and his, when he would, when he would write any epistle, his background was completely from the scriptures. Okay, so when he says the the, the gospel I, pre- I preach is not new, it's already there in the uh, in the scriptures. So Christ died according to scriptures. Christ was buried according to scriptures. Christ rose according to scriptures. And everything is according to scriptures. So understanding from the old covenant. So when you when you see, oh, thank you so much. So so who is wise and understanding among you? Who is this, this this phrase? Look at that phrase. Notice that phrase. Wise and understanding among you. You shall know the truth and the... Yeah, you should, you should say, say that with conviction, okay? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. With the meekness of wisdom. So, see, meekness of wisdom, meaning wisdom has a particular trait. Truly wise person in the sight of God has a particular characteristic and that is the characteristic of being meek. And therefore, if I were, if I were to ask myself, what is this, how do I define meekness? What is the definition of meekness that I draw from this particular verse? I just wrote it down in, in my own words. This is what I said. Meek, a person who's meek is the one who is teachable and he has, he's got an obedient spirit. He's teachable. I mean, he, he, he doesn't, Pretend that he knows everything, and he's always willing to uh, to for, uh, to to learn something new uh, from God, and he never says that I all uh, know, know it all. He he has this attitude of 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 uh, saying, "Lord, speak into my life." So this is what we call meekness. That is the reason why in James chapter one verse twenty, this is what the Bible says: how we receive the word, how we receive the word. You have to put away certain things, and we have to. Receive the word. Look at what it says in James chapter 1 verse 20. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Okay. And receive how? With meekness. The engrafted word. The word which is ingrained inside of you. The word which is inborn inside of you. Okay. 
We are born again by that word of truth and you have to receive that word with meekness and water it so that that word will grow. So Paul plants and Apollos waters So and God gives the increase. But how does increase come when each one of us inculcates the spirit of being teachable, which is able to save your what? Your souls. See, the most important thing that has to be trained and guarded, the aspect of the of our life which has to be trained and guarded is the soul. Okay, the soul has a will. We know it. So, soul has a will. It has got an. It's got. A, it's got logic. It's got reason, and it has got emotions. And that is something which has to be trained, and it is also has to be guarded because the attack will be at. Will be an attack on the soul. The will. The attack will be to compromise the, the our will, to compromise our our um, uh, our thought thoughts, to compromise our emotions, to use our emotions to to galvanize us into action. You see, so that is something which has to be protected and guarded because the salvation ultimately is the salvation of your soul. Okay, see, when we are born again, one of the what what happens is the spirit which was dead, we were dead in our trespasses and and sins. The Bible says, right? The 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 point which was connected to God was was our spirit. We, We were dead in our spirit, but so when we were born again, we were born again in our spirit. The spirit was regenerated, but then there was a soul. And the soul has to be reconciled to God. And how is the soul reconciled to God? The soul is reconciled to God only through repentance because the soul was a rebel. It was Adamic. That is the reason why repentance is what? The change of mind. You have to come back to God and say, you know what? This soul was a rebel. It was doing its own thing. It was going its own way. It was being controlled by its own ideas and thoughts and emotions. And what I'm going to do right now, come back to God in repentance. So repentance is an act act of the soul and rebirth is, is when you are regenerated in your spirit. So you have to be reconciled to God in your soul. Understand this. So the salvation therefore is a salvation of your, of your what? Of your soul. You see, uh, as stars differ in glory, so also will will be saints. What you sow is a natural body. What you'll get is a spiritual body. Right? That's what the Bible says. Now think about it. What is so sowed into the ground when you are when you are dead and buried <laughs> is a body which was controlled by the soul. That's what natural bo- natural body means a soulish body. But what is resurrected is what. A spirit controlled body. Now, what kind of a spirit controlled body will each of us receive? How much of the soul was under the control of the spirit, that kind of a body we will receive when we are resurrected. Jesus was a, was a, was a person whose soul was completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. Completely. He was, that is the reason why it's, it says he was filled without measure and what he poured out as a, as, as a guilt offering or as a sin offering was his what? Was his soul. He was completely, so when he was buried and when he was risen from the dead, he had a, he had a completely spirit controlled body. So what kind of a body we will receive in resurrection will be dependent upon how much of our soul was under the control of the spirit. You need to understand that. That is the reason why the soul is so important. The teaching that we receive is the the teaching as to how to ensure that this soul who is a rebel becomes obedient and submissive to the ordinances of God. 
Do you understand that? Okay. So, it is a, it is, that is the reason why, how do you, should you receive the word? You should receive the word with meekness. So let him show forth his good works, the Bible says, the previous work, no? Previous verse, what does it say? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good works, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Okay? So, notice this phrase, wise and understanding. How do how does one therefore become wise and a person with understanding? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay, so how does one become wise and understanding? So let us see from Deuteronomy chapter four. Look at this phrase, wise and understanding. I told you right, uh, the old covenant, uh, so the new covenant uh, writers were saturated by the the scriptures. Look at how James draws this phrase wise and understanding from Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 5 onwards. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God suggested me. Am I right? Okay, thank you. Thank you, sister. I was training you wrong. Okay. Lord my God commanded me. Okay. You see, one of the things that we detest in our generation is commands. We don't like commands. You think I'm a computer? I should do it from my own. See, all these things, no? I mean, I, I, I understand the fact that we should willingly uh, um, surrender ourselves to the Lord and it has to come from the heart and all that stuff. But you know, something. sometimes it doesn't matter how I feel. It is a command. And therefore I do it. Okay. It's a command. My goodness, we are a generation which we don't like the word command. Who are you to command me? We have that kind of an attitude. Hmm? The Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them, the statutes and judgments, in other words. Okay. In the land which you are going to possess. Therefore, be very what? Careful. Understand this. See, one of the things that we need to really, really inculcate is an attitude of carefulness. You see, if you read um, uh, the repentance which is from God, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. You know what? Uh, if you read the KJV uh, 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 version of Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse ten onwards, it says, "What kind of a carefulness this godly sorrow that led to repentance wrought in you?" It says carefulness. There is an act. You are no no longer careless about spiritual things and godly things. There is some kind of an attitude. There is a this, you become circumspect. You are you walking and you saying, Lord, I do not want anybody or any anybody to, uh, because of my behavior, because of my attitude, because of the way I walk, because of the way I behave, not, none of things that I am I, doing should bring disrepute to your name. Carefulness. Because I represent you. See, whenever, whenever I'm invited somewhere to, to share the word, one of the things I'm very careful about, I'm not only representing God, I'm also representing the church. So it's so very, very important for me to be very careful. Look at what it says. Therefore, be careful to observe. Observe ante Just not to say, look at. Observe means to obey. The commands are given not to enjoy or to appreciate. But two, obey. Okay. And look at this. What did I say? 
wisdom and understanding, right? The phrase, look at this. For this is your what? Wisdom and this is your understanding. What is your wisdom and what is your understanding? When you obey the commandments of God, without questioning them, because God commanded, even though I do not understand, I obeyed by faith. What happens? That becomes my wisdom and that becomes my understanding. That is the reason why James is saying, who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And when is that wisdom true wisdom? When I obey all the commandments of God without questioning. So and he says, for this is your wisdom, this is your understanding, in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a what? Wise and understanding people. Okay? So what did he teach? He gives a lot of... See, underline the word command. Whenever you see the word command, underline it. It's a command. Is New Testament full of commands? Is there a command in the New Testament? Are you sure? What is one of the one of the commands in the New Testament? Can you tell me? Okay, that is one thing. Love is a command. By by this shall, by for God is love, and he that loveth is born of God, and is knoweth knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. A new commandment I give to you. What is the new commandment? That you shall love one another. By this shall all know. Huh? That you are my disciples by the, by the love. Thank you. By the love that you have for one another. And what is that love? It is a commanded love. It is not a feeling love. Love is what? Command. I command you. We don't like commands. I'm gonna show you something, okay? He shall know the truth and that which has just, just blew my mind when I looked at it for the first time because I looked at that verse so many times. But when I looked at it, I said, boy, this is incredible. I'll, sh- I'll show you that before I go there. I'm going to show you certain things a little more uh, uh, detail in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And this is the commands that uh, uh, that uh, Moses is giving uh, to the generation which is going to inherit the promised land. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe. That you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you. Nor take anything from it. Meaning, meaning don't give your own interpretation. Okay, love means love. Okay. Love the Lord with all of your heart. It's, it's a command. Hmm? That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I, what? You see how many times the word command is coming. Command, 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 command. When Adam and Eve was created, you can eat of all the things. But, what is that? What was that? Suggestion or a command? It was a command. Did you eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of which which I commanded that you should not eat? God... You are a God who keeps commands. You are a God. We are humans. You can give commands. I'll show you certain things, okay, which will just literally liberate you. Honestly, it will liberate you to to obey commands, okay. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did to at Baal Pure, uh, for the Lord your God has destroyed them. This is basically people who disobeyed the command, the command of not having any other gods apart from Him. 
commands, we don't like it. But let me show you one person, one person who received a command and he kept it. Okay. Does God receive commands? Or does he give commands? Look at this. That's the point. Okay. That's where I'm I'm coming. Okay. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 10. Okay. This is one of the most incredible verses in the Bible which you have to underline. Okay. This is basically, it's a red letter Bible. This should be a golden letter Bible also. This, this is golden letter. Okay. John's Gospel chapter 10 verses 17 and 18. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself, by myself. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it again. And this, can you imagine this? Just think about it, okay? Jesus, the incarnate son of God, God received a command. You think that in the Godhead there are no commands? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a something called as a, a word called deference. Okay. The Godhead actually defers to one another. The Father defers to the Son. The Son defers to the Father. And Father and uh, uh, Son defer to the Spirit. And the Spirit defers to the Father and Son. There is what we call as deference. The attitude of sub- submitting to one another. And what did Jesus receive? A command. I thought God gives commands. Oh, no. He received a command. And what was the command? To lay down your life and to pick it up again. That was a command he received. And his entire life was the obedience to that one command that he received from his father. To lay down his life and to pick it up again. What is this, what is what is life, what the word for life in this in this in this particular verse? So it's not just Zoe, it's Sukhe, which is from which we get the word soul. He laid down his soul and he picked it up again. All his life was determined by this one important feature. I lay down my life. Think about it now. Now if Jesus received commands and he deferred to his father and his and his and the Holy Spirit in everything that, that he did, how much more you and I? Understand? Mm-hmm. Therefore, 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 look at what uh, Paul tells Timothy in his letter. Second Timothy chapter four. I charge you, therefore, what is that? A charge. You know what that means? A command. <laughs> I command you, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. It's not a suggestion. Be ready in season and out of season. Meaning this should be your life. Your life has to have no other purpose but to give yourself totally to the preaching of the word of God. Study. That's the, that's the reason why he says study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Why? Why? Because this is the command that you received from God and this command you have to fulfill. Just as Jesus fulfilled that one command to lay down his life and to pick it up again. So everything in his life was centered around this one thing. What is that? I lay down my life. So he went down with them to Nazareth, it says, and he was subject to them. Think about it. Why? Because it's a command that he received from his father. To lay down his life. Every step of his life 
There was a laying down and there was a picking up. And we don't like commands. So we'll say, if you like it, then you do it. Only if you are interested, you know, these things don't work in the kingdom, honestly, honestly. I'm not saying that, you know, we should force people to do things. I'm not saying that at all. But truly, genuinely, if you're truly born again, one of the things that attributes that you will have inside of your heart, which you have to inculcate over a period of time by constant practice and submission to the truth is obeying commands implicitly. Understand this. And therefore, you know what he says? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So what should you do? Convince people. Actually, the, the word in, in Telugu is upadesinchuchu, meaning convincing people by rebuking them, by exhorting them with all kinds of long suffering and teaching. So convincing, rebuking and exhorting. Why? Why? He gives the reason. Next verse. For the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound teaching. They don't, they will not like it. They will not like these commands. This is not true. This is not my Jesus. This is not my God. This is not my, they will have all, they will serve a different kind of a Jesus. Totally. A Jesus who obeyed commands is something which will be out of their minds completely. In the Godhead. See what the Lord is trying to do. What is in the Godhead? He's trying to replicate the same thing in the church. You understand? What is in the Godhead? He's trying to replicate the same thing in the church. Beginning with the family. So therefore he says, the God is the head of Christ. The head of man is Christ. And the head of woman is man. And the head of man, uh, children is father and mother. And just as Christ defers to his father, what should should you and I do? Defer to Christ. And what should wives do? Defer to your husband. And what should children do? Defer to your father and mother. And you do this willingly from your heart. What do you have? What is there in the Godhead? Gets replicated in the home. What is there in heaven? Comes into homes and and therefore comes into church. And what a church will that be, my dear brothers and sisters? Can you imagine a church like that? Think about it. No? A church like that. Where everybody, whatever command is given, they will implicitly do it without any questions. Including me. I'm, 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 I'm as much, including myself. I'm not trying to put myself out, out of this. And whenever I fail, I'm willing to correct myself. Why? Because I defer. You know, I, I heard uh, this phrase, you know. Obsequious deference. Deference means submitting to one another. Obsequious deference means to the point of being servile. Are we intra? He will do nothing before he consults his father and mother. I have to check with my father. I have to check with my mother. You are a slave of his father, of your father and mother. Absolutely. No problem. I will check. You don't... Independent thinking, Leda, I don't have independent thinking. You should be independent. See, this independence, we have a wrong definition of independence. You know, the person is who is actually totally independent is a person who is totally dependent upon God. That is fellow is an independent person. Otherwise, that fellow is a total slave. He is absolutely in bondage and he doesn't realize it. 
You understand? Hmm? So, this deference to commands and not suggestions has to be practiced. Okay? So, basically, when you come to the church, you know what should you say? So, Lord, hmm, give me a command. Hmm. It's like, you know, Samuel, right? Speak, O Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, O Lord. Your servant is listening. That is what we call as deference. That is what we call as submission and surrender to commands. Even if it is difficult to say Amen, let us say Amen. Ah, it's very difficult to say Amen. No, cross is difficult. No, <laughs> But when you say, God will bless you, brother. Amen. God will pro- amen. Even before he says, pro- 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 uh, you'll say Amen. <laughs> okay. God is looking for submissive people who will differ to one another. I mean, even that body language will change. Are, uh, tell me, tell me. What do you want to say? Uh, tell me. I see that. No, when many, many times I go to teaching, no, <laughs> yeah, I see the body language of people. Uh, what are you going to say today? Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Nice. Good message. You see, your body language is a giveaway. Hmm? All right. So why? People will not endure sound teaching. You know why sound teaching will have? Commands. <laughs> you see, commandment is lamp. Law is light. Reproofs of instruction are... Mm-hmm. Reproofs of instruction. Commandment is lamp. Law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep you from what? To keep you from the immoral woman. Proverbs 6, 23. For you to remember. 2 times 3 is equal to 6. 6, 23. Okay. Easy to remember. Okay. But you be watchful. <laughs> In all this. You see. And they, see, look at what they say. They will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be turned aside to fables. What is that? Stories, stories, stories they will say. But you be watchful in all things and your reflections to the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It's a, it's a command, not a suggestion. Suggestion. So let's go back. So let's go back to wisdom. Okay. Now, right, now he's no, the next few verses, he's going to contrast what we call as the wisdom which is from above and the wisdom which is from beneath. This is James chapter 3. Verse 14, 13 talks about the meekness of wisdom and defines who are those people who are wise and understanding. 14 to 16. But if you have a bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but what is it? It's earthly, it is sensual, and is demonic. Now, the word for sensual again is soulish. Okay, of the soul. That's what that's what I was telling. The one thing that you have to guard with all of your heart is your soul. You have to be very careful who will speak into your life and what you watch on television or what you hear. That is the reason the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 verse 24, he says, be careful what you hear. 424. 818. Luke 818. Be careful how you hear. 717, 
John 7.17 If anyone wills to do the will of my father, he will understand the doctrine. Easy to remember. 4.24. Mark 4.24. 4.24. It's a palindrome. Okay, 4.24. What is it? Be careful what you hear. Luke 8.18. Be careful how you hear. John 7.17. Be if anyone wills to do the will of my father. He will understand. You see? These are attributes. These are, these are, these are attitudes with which you come, come, come to, come to listen to the word of God. So, look at what he says. If there is bitter envy and self-seeking, do not lie. What kind of a wisdom this is? This is earthly wisdom. It is sensual wisdom. It is demonic wisdom. This is a disintegration. First, it starts off with your eyes on things of this earth. Mean temporal things. Temporal gain. Temporal success. Temporal authority. Temporal power. Selfish ambition. If you, if you were there, uh, I don't, I don't know if you listened to the Nepali service. This, uh, this Nepali service was one of the most powerful teachings I have. I, I mean, we heard it in so many different contexts, but in a fresh way understood earthly, sensual, demonic. Ham uncovers his father. What is he motivated with? He was motivated to take over the kingdom of his father. The spirit of Canaan. What was it? Earthly. Sensual. Demonic. Absalom was motivated the same thing. What what did he have? He had earthly ambitions and he wanted to satisfy his own self. Soulish. He said, I will be king. Uh, if you turn with me to First Kings chapter one, uh, if you can put it up, it'll be great. Okay, First Kings chapter one. Verse five and six. I'll read it for you. First Kings chapter one, verses five and six. Then Adonijah. The son of Hagith exalted himself saying, I will be king. What is that? How did Absalom exalt himself? I will be king. Who is that I? Soul. What is he want to become? King. What is that? Earthly. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. This is... Quintessential, okay, this is like one guy who goes to file his nomination. How does he go? Full nomination only. Yeah? And you have oh, hundreds of people calling long live Zindabad, what have you. Something was mentioned about, about, uh, about Adonijah. And his father had not rebuked him at any time saying, why have you done so? Why? He was also very good looking. <laughs> Just like Absalom. What they had was charisma, but no character. What did they have? Charisma. Gifts. Talents. Ability to charm people with their, with their words. I'm telling you, I'm especially girls, we're very, very careful about boys who will come and flatter you in the days to come. Very careful. 
Very, very careful. Guard your minds and your hearts against that. Very careful. Because that is not the spirit of, of God. I'm not saying that beauty is good. No, is bad. But beauty is deceitful. The Bible itself says. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Sorry. Charm is de- deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she will be what? Praised. Very careful. Somebody comes and flatters you and t- tells you about your con- about your talent, etc. All those things, forget it because it says knowledge is temporal. We prophesy in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Even this knowledge that we have, we will have, will also always pass away. But what will what will remain? He who does the will of God, he will he will abide forever. So all these talents and giftings and everything, if it is if it is not surrendered to God, it's useless. I will be king. That's exactly what Absalom had. He had the same thing. Demonic, what is it? Sensual person. He said, I will be king. He had earthly ambitions, sensual mind, wherein he wanted to boost his ego. He did not want to go to go the way of the cross to obtain what God wanted it for, wanted for his life. I don't know. Okay. Because David, he went through trial and testing. He didn't even want to become the king, first of all. God entered him and he said, you will be king. For 13 years of his life, he was only being chased from one cave to the other. Okay, so it's sensual. And you know what ultimately what empowers him? Is the spirit of Ahithophel who comes and empowers him. It is a demonic wisdom who will tell, who will say, you know what, what you should do? Lay down, lay with your father's concubines and then the kingdom will be firmly established in your hands. What is that? It's very interesting. Ahithophel. You know what Tophel means? Foolishness or folly. Ach Tophel means, Ach Tophel, my brother is foolishness. Or Tophel means tempered motor. That which will not go and penetrate into your inside is always in the superficial. Is always concentrated upon the external things and never thinks about the spirit. It's essential wisdom. It's demonic wisdom. And look at what it says, verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist or selfish ambition exists, what is there? There is confusion. You know what? There is disorder. Hmm. One of the things that you need to understand, God is a God, God of what? Order and not con- confusion. But the spirit of God is, there is order. Hmm. And what, what happens? It's a breeding ground for every evil thing. You will do the most unimaginable things that you can't even imagine. You will go against your own father. You will not be hesitant to murder your own father. That's exactly what the kings of uh, the Gentiles used to do. You know that? Remember uh, Rabshake and uh, Sennacherib. You know how Sennacherib was killed? By his own sons. Assassinated him. And you served the kingdom. It's all sensual. It's demonic. What happens? Ahithophel comes and empowers it. Selfish ambition. And all these are got to do with I. Because you are a person who will not surrender and you will not obey commands. Very dangerous. But look look at on the other side. Look on the other side. How he differs this earthly wisdom or the demonic wisdom or the sensual wisdom from that which is from above. Okay? Which is from above. Notice, but the wisdom that which is from above. Now, whom does this wisdom belong to? 
the the phrase from above should be a tip off you are all looking at me excuse me no 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 again again but the wisdom that is from above the phrase from above should be a tip off should should tell you should indicate and tell you to whom does this wisdom belong to excuse me to the person who is born from above you see understand this that is the reason why i said from above it's very important very 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 important okay so so the the phrase from above should be a tip off okay from but the wisdom which is from above is first what pure peaceable gentle willing to yield you see how is describing wisdom wisdom is described as virtue of a, a person who is pure is wise will you say i mean think about it are what chala parishuddhudra vadu is a very pure fellow he is a wise fellow will you say that no these attributes are only will only make sense to the person who is what born from above that is the reason why unless a person is born from above he cannot what see you cannot understand the things of the spirit that's the reason that the natural man or the soulish man will not receive the things of the spirit of god because it is foolishness to him the wisdom of cross the the, the 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 foolishness of god is i mean the wisdom of god which is the way of the cross is foolishness to the person who is perishing but the wisdom which is from above is first pure second it is peaceable third it is gentle fourth it is willing to yield fifth it is full of mercy and good fruits and both of them go together mercy and good fruits go together what is a good fruit of mercy we'll come to that later on it is without partiality and seventh it is without hypocrisy now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace so this seven attributes of divine wisdom we looked at it in seven contexts but i'm talking about the wisdom of the cross this is obtained in increasing measure into our life by the application of cross consistently in our lives when the cross is consistently applied and i'm going to prove to you from scripture that this is how these attributes this wisdom of god which which is inculcated into our lives by the application of god application of the cross consistently into our lives so let us enlist it first is purity everybody say pure read it out full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy so let us first look at purity look at purity okay i'm going to show you a revealing verse from the bible okay and i i mean i'm re, i've been reading the word now suddenly some verses become alive okay it's not that i saw it for the first time yes the spirit of god showed it showed it to me for the first time why am i saying this this is only for the person this kind of wisdom is only for the person who's what born from above understand this right look at what it says in proverbs chapter 20 verse 11 okay proverbs chapter 20 verse 11 okay proverbs chapter 20 verse 11 okay underline it in your bibles okay look at what it says <clears throat> even a child even a child notice 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 are a child innocent re they are pure they are innocent no 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 look at what the bible says even a child is known by his doings whether his work be pure whether it be right so purity where, where can you find it from where from childhood 
you know when <laughs> when we were kids right uh, our uh, my mama is to uh, those days there used to be vcr vc vhs cassettes right vhs cassettes you know it was a huge thing i was uh, i think it was i was in class 4 or class 5 he purchased a vcr and he was working for the merchant navy okay merchant navy the, the, in their uh, off times they there there's only one aspect of vocation that they have either they uh, drink and or they watch uh, movies and my my uncle was a very chaste man he had no bad habits i am really amazed okay this man had made so much of money he could he could be uh, addicted to any vice but you know what he stayed pure all the years that he worked in the merchant navy he never even drank one drop of alcohol okay great man but you know he used to watch a lot of movies so he brought a collection of cassettes those days and that and it was a basically a comedy series the title of the cassette was little rascals little rascals <laughs> and you should see in that in that uh, uh, in the comedy children the wicked ideas that they have wicked ideas i mean it's actually funny but the wicked wicked ideas that they come up with how to fool their father and mother and act as if nothing has happened wicked even a child that is the reason why they are what born in sin shaped in iniquity so the proverb says even a child is known whether is by whether his work his works are pure by the way he way he, i mean by his doings whether he's pure and whether he's right and the fact of the matter is they are little but okay wicked things i mean i remember abigail was like what she says don't use my example but let me she was like what 3 or 4 or 3 years old not 4 years old and emmanuel was 2 they made a mess of their bathtub okay and i went and said who made a mess here okay that was uh, not my idea abigail okay that was not my idea my idea she said it will be a great thing if we dirty our feet in sand and come and put it in the water And she, and, and, and she was convinced absolutely that I, I would buy it. Straight face, daddy. That's that's what it is. Okay. I looked at her. Do you know your father's degrees? You are insulting me by degrees. You see? Unbelievable. They will convince you. Okay. Buy their deeds. how they throw tantrums is it i mean i mean abigail was 6 months old i would never forget this okay she was in this walker there was a tap which was leaking we sealed it off and we told abigail abigail no going to the tap 6 months so just in the night we have the dining table we were having a discussion and she was in the walker slowly she was going where to the tap okay. even a child is known <laughs> and she was going to the tap 
and I said, Justin, I told Justin, Justin, just observe what she's going to do, okay? Act as if we have not seen her. See what she's going to do, okay? I move like a choose sound, okay? From her, from your, from the corner of your eye, just, just, just have a keep an eye on her, okay? No discussing. Slowly she goes to the tap, and just before she is about to touch, you know what she does? To see father and mother are seeing. And then I looked at her. You see, the eye. Even a child is known. Honestly. It's true. We'll, we'll come to, we'll come and define what purity is in a while because we need to know definitions of purity, no? You need to know clearly what purity is. We'll come to that in a while. But look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Are no problem with me, you know. But you know what the problem is? But the Lord, He weighs the spirits and the motives. So even if you give certain things, you know, why did you give? That is the reason why when, when Ananias and Sapphira comes and come and give the offering to, to Peter, Peter says, Ananias, how is it that the Satan has tempted you to lie to the Holy Spirit? How? Simon the sorcerer will come and say, oh, take this money and let me also have this gift. So that when I lay hands on others, they will also... You know what he says? You are in the gall of bitterness. And your heart is not right before the Lord. And what does he say? Please pray for me. Pray for... This is essentially the quintessential problem of people. They are still not desperate for their deliverance. They will say, please pray for me. Why will you, will you not pray for yourself? Don't you have any concern for your own self? Please pray for me, brother. Please pray for me. Pastor, pastor, please pray. Fast and pray. Fast and pray? I should fast and pray for your problem. Satan ka beta you are. You are not desperate. If you have a problem and you are desperate for your deliverance, what should you do? You have to pray. Please pray for me. That's exactly what even, who said, the first fellow who said, pray for me? Satan ka beta. Pharaoh. You go, pray for me also. They are not desperate for their deliverance. Understand? The Lord weighs the spirits. Next one. Proverbs chapter 30, 30 verse 12. There is a generation that are what? Pure in their own eyes. And yet, they are not washed from their filthiness. I told you, no? Mirza Galip. Umra tamam. Eki galati dorata gaya galip. Dhul chehre peti. Aina saaf karta raha. All my life I was doing the same mistake. The dust was on my face. What was I doing? Clean the mirror. You see? Purity. Pure in their own eyes. So what is purity? We'll understand this. Purity is something which is, which is very well defined, especially we need to understand the new covenant definition of what purity means. And we need to, whenever some, some attribute is defined, we have to also look at the connecting attributes which will give us 
a framework to understand and get it in our minds as this is what God means by purity. Okay, look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 11. The word for purity is used in a different different way. Let us read that, read that verse. This is Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a what? Chaste virgin. Okay, the word for purity is chastity. Chaste virgin. Devoted person. Who is completely devoted to her fiancé. Who will not fool around. Okay. Betrothed to you to one husband. But I fear, lest somehow as a serpent deceived ye by the craftiness. So what? Your? I told you right. Where is the attack? It's on your? Soul, which is on your mind. So your mind is corrupted from your from your sincere devotion. Uh, NIV uses the word sincere devotion to Jesus Christ. So look, let us understand what this chastity or purity means. Who is a chaste virgin? Who is a chaste virgin? Okay. No, uh, in First Corinthians chapter seven, uh, Paul defines uh, virgins, and he is just not talking about virgins. He's talking about a, a very important. Principle, but who is a virgin in the sight of God? First Corinthians chapter seven. This is what it says in verse thirty-four and thirty-five. Look at what it says. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. Okay, we are just not talking about a virgin. We are talking about a chaste virgin. Okay, the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of this world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distractions. So now who is a virgin? From this you get several attributes which is connected to this particular adjective called purity. Okay, let us see. First thing, what are these, who are these people? These are the people who care first about, first of all about the things about the Lord. Second thing, they do not care about the things of the world. Third thing, their aim is to please what? Jesus. Their only aim in life is to please Jesus. Fourth thing, they keep themselves holy in body and in spirit because it says, he who is joined to the harlot is one one flesh with her, with her and who is jo- joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Therefore, they flee all kinds of sins which will corrupt, make them corrupt in their body and in their spirit. And verse 5, they serve the Lord without Distraction. So who are those people who are absolutely pure? These are the people who care about the things of the Lord. Care about the things of the Lord. They do not care about the things of this world. Their only aim in life is to please Jesus. Fourth is they keep themselves pure in their body and in their spirit. That is the reason why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, since we have all these promises, let us, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness. How? In the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So where is the attack? In the mind. Attack is in the mind. So Matthew chapter 16, this is what I said. I told you, right? How do you get to this kind of purity? How do you uh, inculcate and practice this kind of purity and this kind of chastity? I said it is directly connected by the application of the cross in your life. By the application of the cross in your life. Who is this person? This guy is mindful about the things of the Lord. First thing. He is not mindful about the things of the world. Third, his aim is to please, please, please Jesus. And when he, when he says, uh, she does not care about the things of the world means how she would please her who? Please her husband who is a man. 
Her aim is to please Jesus, okay? Then, aim is to please Jesus, keep her, keeps herself uh, holy in the body and in spirit, and serves the Lord without, in, without any distractions, okay? Matthew chapter 16, look at what Jesus has to say. This is Jesus telling Peter. From that time onwards, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised on the third day. What is this? The way of the cross. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. And how does Jesus respond? Look at what he says. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me. The wisdom from below is what? Earthly, sensual, and demonic. Who's who's empowering this wisdom? Even through the words of Peter? The demonic wisdom. Satan. Okay? Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are what? Not mindful of the things of of God, but you are mindful of the things of man. And then he says, if anyone desires to come after me, what should he do? He should deny himself. That means he should not be mindful of the things of man. In this context, immediate context. But he should be mindful of the things of God. So who is a person who is pure? What does purity therefore mean? Person who is absolutely made his aim to please Jesus. Okay. Please Jesus. To keep himself holy. Without spot in his body and in his spirit. And he wants to serve God without distractions. So, that is the reason why he says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Right from the beginning. No? If you are getting married, or even before you get married, both of them should have the same Lord. And you have to keep on practicing that. My aim is not to please my husband first or my wife first. To please Jesus. My aim is to serve him without any distractions. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, what should you do? Train your mind. Philippians chapter 4 will therefore say, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are pure or noble, whatever things are just and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, what should you do? I like this word. What is that? Meditate on these things. You know, there should be some kind of a processor which is going on in your mind, even when you are doing your other works. That should be constantly the back of your mind. The processor should be running. Oh, God said this. Jesus, pastor said this. Lord, let that come to light even when I'm doing my work. Even when I'm doing my normal work. Let it just come to mind. Okay. Let, let, let whatever I thought, what I've been taught in my mind, let it somehow come in even in my work. So let it just show itself in my work so that I can, so that the Concepts and the I, I, and the truths that I learned will become practical also because God never teaches an, teaches us anything which is impractical. It's absolutely practical. First Peter chapter four verse one will say, therefore, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with what? With the same mind. Mind. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Therefore, I just, I forgot to put that verse. It says, 1 John chapter 3 says, everyone who has this hope in him, what does he do? He purifies himself. Why? Just as he is pure. And what is the hope? That one day he will see Jesus. Just as he is pure, he 
He purifies himself. So purity. What is purity? My aim is to please Jesus. Not to my, not myself. Okay. My aim is to please Jesus. I'm not distracted with any, any other thing. Okay. My mind is on the things of God. I want to keep myself holy in my body and in my spirit. And therefore he says, there's one sin which you all have to flee. What is that? Sexual immorality. Thoughts. Flee. One thing that Daniel said, you know what? I will not defile myself by the food that is being served to me from the king's table. I will not defile myself. I will keep myself pure. And if that decision was not made, there is no Daniel. All the revelations of Daniel is because of that one decision that he made. Amen? So purity and the way of the cross. Second, we talk about peaceable. What is that? Peaceable. What is peaceable? Peaceable is a person who well, let us define again what is biblical uh, peaceableness. Okay, this is found in Psalm 37, verse 37. Psalm 37, verse 37. Very easy to remember. 37, 37. Okay, look at this. Mark, <clears throat> mark the blameless man or the perfect man. Okay, mark the blameless man or the perfect man, and observe the upright man, for the future of that man is what peace. Mark the blameless man. Observe the upright man. What is the future of that fellow? Peace. See, you want to know your future? You don't have to go to the prophet. Dirga Darshi. You don't have to. You want to know your future? Be blameless. <laughs> Be upright. Your future is secure. What is your future? Peace. Ultimately, we need peace. What is our future? Righteousness, peace and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. Okay. So, future of that man is peace. How is that peace obtained? By a life of being blameless or perfect. Perfect means blameless. Ninda Rahitur. In Telugu, is fantastic. If you think about it, no? Ninda Rahita. Meaning, one fellow, you cannot point one thing upon in his character. He's so perfect. Observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. So how do you, how do you obtain this peaceableness? Walk blameless. That's the only thing. That's the only way to do it. No? Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 will say. This is what it says. And when Abraham was 90 years old and um, 99 years old, okay, 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk, what, before me, and be thou perfect or blameless. This is the result of a walk. Where are you walking? Before me. You know what that word before me means? Before my face. The word, the word is very interesting actually. The word for, for uh, face in Hebrew is panaim, which means faces. God has two faces. What is the one face? The goodness of God. What is the other face? It's the severity of God. Okay. He's not double faced. He has several faces. These are all his attributes. Face. Where did came go away? He went away from the presence of the Lord. That's what it says. From the face of God. You know what the word for uh, 
the first i told you the first piece of furniture that you that you see when you enter into the holy place is what 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 is it table of showbread no the word actually is the bread of his presence the bread of his presence meaning the bread which is formed the bread which is formed by coming under the presence of god meaning con- constantly god is watching 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 under his watchful guidance under his watchful guidance you are correcting your life you know um, i didn't put that verse i, f- I was f- i forgot I so many things were coming in my mind in ecclesiastes chapter 12 don't have to turn there okay ecclesiastes okay maybe you should turn there okay ecclesiastes chapter 12 okay i show you that verse i love that verse one of my favorite verses ecclesiastes chapter 12 i'll tell you the exact verse hmm? just give me a minute Eleventh, twelve, eleven. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, twelve, verse eleven. <clears throat> twelve, eleven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Panendu padakondu. Easy to remember. The words of the wise are like goats. What is that? Words of the wise are like goats, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails. Okay. Given by that one shepherd. Forget. Let's understand what what is a goat. You know, a, 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 a horse is used to uh, to um, plow a field. It has to plow in one straight line. So in order to keep that line straight, what do you do? Give goats. If it's going away from the track, what should you do? Give one shot like this, it will come back to the track. That's the reason why don't put a horse and a donkey, I mean, ox and a donkey together. If you go to a donkey, what will it do? <clears throat> it will kick you one shot. You see... If you whip an ox, it will go straight. If you whip a donkey, it will run for its life. So what is it? The words of the wise are like goad. goad. So you are going here and there, here and there. So it keeps on goading you. Come back to the straight and narrow path. Come back to the straight and narrow path. What is happening to you, Vijay? What is happening? Where you are scattered? Come on, come on. Come back to that straight and narrow path. What is happening? Every time on Sunday morning, we are listening to the word. What is happening? The words are like God. Goads. Oh, you are going helter and skelter. Come back to the straight and narrow path. Come back to the straight and narrow path. And what? They are like well-driven nails. You know what? When you are well-driven nail, I can put a burden on you and you will not crumble. You'll be straight. You know, there's a poet called Purushottama Chaudhary. I will just write, I will read that line in Telugu and I'll make you understand it, okay? Madavalamu polu namadin. Madavalamu polu namadin. Madavalamu means an elephant mind. I have an elephant mind. What is an elephant mind? A mind which is stubborn. Basically, a mind which is stubborn. Madavalamu polu namadin tana pradipta vakya ankusam. You know what ankusam means? Ankusam is like that. What is that? What do you call it in English? It's a god, I think. Yeah, it's a god. No? You know what he says? What he's saying? All my the, 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 this helter skelter mind, he used the word of God and made it straight. chalaniti, meaning all my heart's desires, the desires of my kudinchi, meaning he straightened them all up. meaning he all the thoughts which are evil and which were of sin, he delivered me from all those 
thoughts and he brought me back onto that straight and narrow path using the ankusam called the word of god what was the word of god was a was a god you see that is the reason why the word of god is like a god we are all people going hilton skelter that is the reason pastor says no focus focus don't get distracted don't get distracted focus 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 why why because we are all people are distracted we are just going hilton hilton skelter and the words of the wise are like goats bringing us back into the state and narrow path mm-hmm. so he says walk thou before me and be thou blameless and what is the end and the future of the blameless man peace That is the reason why stay in the place of warning. What did Cain leave? He left the presence of God. What did he leave there for? He left the presence where he was warned of sin. He said, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you shall master it. He didn't like it. And he went away from the presence of God. And after that, what did he become? He a wanderer, a donkey. And that's exactly what is what is said about Ishmael. Ishmael, you will be a what? A wild donkey of a man who's disciplined in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, disciplined in the wrong way. Therefore, Hebrews chapter twelve verse eleven says, "Let's you know you should apply." This is again the application of the cross. Okay, so what does the cross do? It chastens us. What else, what does it do? The application application of the cross, what does it do? It chastens us. How does it chasten us? Through elders and people who are above us. Look at what it says in verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Hmm? Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who have been what? Trained. You should be trained by it. Once you are trained, you know what you should do? You should make, you should make it into a lifelong pursuit. Romans chapter 12 will say, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Pursue peace. That is the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, same, same chapter, verse 14 and 15, it says, pursue peace with all men and holiness with God. For without holiness, nobody can See God. That is the reason why we have purity. And then second followed by peaceableness. The third attribute. Gentle. What is gentleness? Gentleness is a person who, who does not get into a fight. And why is he, why does he not get into a fight? Because he's one, he's got one attribute called a self-control. He'll not become a brawler. You know where you find maximum brawlers? Kanajiga, Kanajigoda, exactly. Yeah. Kanajigoda petrol bunk, you just keep walking on that petrol bunk, you will see brawlers left, right, and center. They get themselves into a fight. I mean, and sometimes in a fit of rage, they kill each other also. It happens so many times. Murders happen. Because the fellow's totally intoxicated and anger, he's overtaken by anger and he just murders. You should, I mean, every day it is there. You just go go to Kanajigoda after 7 o'clock. All the chicken shops are there. Hmm? And everything is there. Full hot chips is there. Everything is there which goes along with drink. How do you know Vijay? I know, okay. <laughs> Not because I took part of it, because I know people who were like that. Hmm? I'm telling you, you know, on IIT Kanpur, 
after every midterm exam is over. The hostel was flowing with rum, vodka, beer, and after everything is over, you cannot go into the washroom because it's full of vomit. It's full of puke. Okay. For outside people, Haiti, yam. Bharatiya Pradyogik Sansthan. ಕ್ಯಾಕ್ರೆಸ್ಕ್ಯಾಕ್ but intoxicated smartness look at what it says in philippians chapter 4 verse 5 let your moderation is the word for moderation is the same word gentle you know what moderate means the person who has got self control okay moderation means anni mitanga cheyadam ante taagadam kuda mitanga cheyadam gaadu ಡ್ರಿಂಕ್ moderation means not drinking only that is moderation and the word is very interesting okay what is moderation means not quickly provoked not easily provoked meaning you have such strong convictions it takes a lot for you to be convinced of anything i'm talking about the evil thing i mean it's impossible virtually it's like you know uraya called from the battlefield are drink you are come on enjoy life the king is also drinking he is also drink you know imagine first time the food comes he does not eat he sleeps the next day the king intoxic intoxicates him. but notwithstanding the intoxication he still sleeps in the temple in, in, in the porch i mean i cannot imagine a man who is more self controlled who is so disciplined he is so strong on his convictions i mean unbelievable uriyadai hi tight unbelievable it is for me guy, i mean you in in your drunken stupor you can do anything but this guy he will not compromise on his convictions even though he's drunk what a man what a man so you know what uraya causes david to hang his head in okay everybody sit down beta kucho ruti to kota huh let your moderation be known to all men the lord is at hand self control especially one one has to have control over his anger which is a very strong emotion especially among men very strong emotion you are so easily angered ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free and what is the truth do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of 
Ah, fools. Where does anger rest? In the bosom of the fools. Where did Jesus rest? In the bosom of his father. Understand this? In Telugu, that is the reason why there is a song. Tana kopame, tana shatru. Your anger is your enemy. Worst enemy. Tana shantame, tana kuraksha. You are peaceful. It is, it is good for you. Daya chuttambav. I like that. And if you are, if you are, if you are, uh, if you have daya means mercy, as your relative, you are great. Amazing. I mean, those, I think, uh, Sumati or Vemana? Ah, Sumati. Hmm? Sumati means, my, my, a guy who has a good mind. Hmm? Sumati. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Another thing. Another problem. 29-11. Easy to remember. 9, nine plus 2. 11. Okay. A fool loses his temper. Hmm, what is that? A fool loses his temper, but a wise person holds it back. And how does he do it? The amplified version gives it very interesting. Who's a fool? A short-sighted fool. He has, yeah, exactly. He does not weigh in the results and the consequences of his anger. In anger, he will say a lot of things. But what are the implications and the consequences of anger? He is not aware of that. So that is the reason why when you are angry, what should you do? Be angry and do not sin, it says in the new covenant. In the the actual old covenant, be silent. In the old covenant, actually, the exactly, exactly, exact translation, and I mean, so the rendering is it in in the old covenant is in Psalms two, if I'm right, or Psalm twelve, exactly. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't remember the exact Psalm. Be angry and do not sin. Be silent in your own bed. It says, please be be quiet. Don't express it. Look at what it says. A short-sighted fool always loses his temper and displays his anger, but a wise man uses what self-control and holds it back. See. The Lord is angry with the wicked every day. But does he express it? No. He put, pours his rain on the just and the unjust. Hoping that they will what? The goodness of God will lead them to what? Repentance. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 12 verse 16. Fools show their annoyance at once. And what does the prudent man do? He overlooks an insult. Somebody insults you? I'll keep it on. I'll shall see later on. Amazing, no? That's exactly what God does, no? We provoke him every day. What does he do? He overlooks our insults. But the prudent overlooks the insult. 1911. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is a glory to pass over a transgression. <coughs> Not to get easily angry when somebody sins against you. And then in your, in your anger you say a lot of words. So many, I mean, especially in your homes when you get angry you will say so many things. Like if your children frustrate you, say so, so many things. <coughs> and in your anger when you pronounce certain things, it's very difficult to take them back. Once it is pronounced, it's gone out of your mouth, it's gone. Because life and death is in the Power of tongue. So first it is what pure. Second it is peaceable. Third it is gentle. 
That means it doesn't get easily angry. Fourth, this is all the way of the cross, you see. What did Levites do? Levi and Simeon, in their anger. And that is the reason why he says, you know what uh, Jacob says, I do not want to dwell in their tents. Please. Such such people's tents I don't even want to come into. Mm -hmm. Willing to yield, the fourth one. So there are certain things we should not we should not yield to. What do we should not yield? Very 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 important. We should not yield to certain things, and we should yield to certain things. What is the things that we should not yield to? Let us see what what we should not yield to. From Romans chapter twelve, verse uh, six. Uh, Romans chapter six, verse twelve. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust thereof. Neither what yield your members as instruments of righteousness to sin. You should not yield. Next, but that next part it says, but what? Yield yourselves and the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. As those people who are alive from the dead. So there is an yielding. And then it is not yielding. You should never yield to sin. That means you should never co- compromise your convictions. But you can yield. What is that thing which you should yield to? What you should yield to? What is this? this what is the principle of yielding? Let me show you. Again, this is the way of the cross. Who is the person who yielded the maximum? Jesus himself. But he never compromised to sin. But he yielded the maximum. Right? Genesis chapter 13. This is what it says. There was strife between herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites also dwelt in the land. So what did Lot say? Please let there be no strife between you and me. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me if you take the left. I will take the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. What is it? Yielding. What are you doing? In this case, you are willing to lose. Not willing to grab. Okay. Who do you, how did Solomon know who is the true mother? How did, huh? The willing to yield, in other words. Look at what it says in First Kings chapter 3. Okay, And the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead, and my son is the living. Then the king said, bring me the sword. So they brought the sword, and the king said, divide the living child into two, and give the half to the other, and give the half to the one and to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion. And she said, oh my lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. That is what? Yielding. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. You know what the principle of Christ is? Why should there be division in the church? Take it and go. See? So, willing to yield. Who is the person who is willing to yield? A person who bears a cross. This is wisdom. You see, even in a relationship, even in a church, a person who wills, who is willing to yield is a wise person. He's not a fool. Who's willing to yield. Mm-hmm. Understand these principles in, the, in our minds. Okay. Then, the next attribute, fifth one, is full of mercy and Good fruit. So, oh no, you need to understand. Okay, we'll understand mercy. We'll understand what mercy is. But what is a good fruit of mercy? 
What is it? What is the fruit of mercy? Hmm. What does it give us? If it's just not being merciful, there's something else which also happens. We know this verse. We know this, uh, the guy uh, who obtains mercy from the Lord. But he who was not able to pay his master commanded that he should be sold, his wife and children, uh, that he made the payment, the payment should be made in full. But what did he do? He went and said, Lord, have compassion on me. So the Lord showed him what? Mercy and compassion. But was he merciful? No. That's the reason why. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11. This is the BSB, the Berean Standard Bible. A man's insight gives him patience and it is his virtue to what? To overlook an offense. That is mercy. It's virtue to overlook an offense. The Berean Standard Bible is very interesting. Therefore, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness, all wrath, what is bitterness? Unforgiveness. Why is there wrath? Because you want to give them back to two, uh, two for one. Clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as what? God in Christ forgive you. So what will happen? What is the fruit of this mercy? What, what does it make you? What does it make you into? Just not into a merciful person, but something else happens. If you are a person who has obtained mercy from God, something else happens to you. You know what, what happens to you? First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 21, 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made me. So what happens when you are merciful? What is the fruit? You become loyal. Trustworthy. God can entrust souls into your hands because now you will not use your power and your authority to destroy them. Why? Because you are a person who has received mercy. Now think about it now. You know what Paul says? I have, my conscience bears me witness. This is what I have towards my kinsman, my brother. You know what, what, what he says? That my sh- name should be taken away from the book of life. I should be accursed for their sake. What a man! And look, God looks at it and he says, to this man I can entrust souls. You know why? Because this guy will never use the office that I have given him to destroy others, but only to build him. Moses looked to the left, he looked to the right, and he murdered. But after he became merciful, and God said, I'm going to wipe this thing, these people out. You know what he said? Lord, take my name away from the book of life. Please, Lord, please don't let your inheritance be destroyed. And you know what God says? I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. You see? Trustworthy. This is a, God can entrust souls into your hands. God can give you a ministry. Because you will never use that ministry to destroy people, but you will have everything in your capacity to build those people. I like, I like the KJV translation. Yet I give my judgment. You know what? Your judgments will be perfect. You know why? Because mercy, what? Triumphs over judgment. And where did mercy and truth kiss each other? Huh. Where did mercy and truth kiss each other? On the cross. You see now the application of the cross in your life. I, may, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, um, that's that episode in John's Gospel, chapter nineteen, if I'm or eighteen, if I'm right. When all the uh, all the uh, soldiers come to pick Jesus, they said, "Who's Jesus of Nazareth?" And what did Jesus say? "I am." And what happens to this fellows? They fall down. And then he makes a statement. He says, it is you, me you are after. Let them go and take me. You see, understand that. Okay, the next attribute. 
you are without partiality. You know what without partiality means? You never look at things superficially. The word for partiality is very interesting in the, in the, in the original. It means you accept no man's face. You accept no man's face. I'll, I'll give you examples which will, which you will know from the, from the, from the old covenant. James chapter 2. My brothers, do not hold the faith of your Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. If there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, what is it? All external. Hmm? He's coming with gold rings and he's, he's got fantastic apparel. It doesn't mean that he's rich. Maybe he's, he's, he's it's all borrowed money, what we call as plastic money, you know? A lot of people have uh, Mercedes Benz. But every day they are paying him every day, no, every month. Just because he's coming on a Mercedes Benz doesn't mean that he's got a lot of money. Okay, by the way, do you, do you understand? Okay. Actually, you know the why, why there's one airline called Indigo Airline. You know Indigo Airline? It is a, it's a profiting, it is the only profit making airline in India. You know why? CEO is a very interesting guy. He has a car. You know what car he has got? Wagoner. Okay, that also shows in the kind of service they provide in Indigo, but it's different. That's, that's besides the point. Why they are profit making? Because they do not want to use their wealth for flaunting. Vijay Malia, we know. King of good and bad times. King Fisher. Now he's disappeared. Why? Flaunted his wealth. Just because you're flaunting your wealth doesn't mean that you're rich, by the way. You're flaunting somebody else's wealth, not yours. <laughs> Understand this? I mean, I've I've traveled uh, in Kingfisher only once from Delhi to Hyderabad. What a treatment I got, Baba! Thus, Vijay Malia himself will come on on that uh, television and he will say, "I have picked my cabin crew, handpicked my cabin crew. They are personally all the cabin crew is my personal choice." I said, "Baba, kya baat hai?" After that, you know what happened? Gone, disappeared. He took your money. And never returned it. Understand this. External goals. A man who is too, you know what, actually, if you are really powerful, you hide it. Don't flaunt it. You know, God is so powerful. He's so powerful. You know what it says? It's a glory of God to what? To conceal a matter. And it is a glory of kings to find out that God who's concealed. And we know where God conceals himself? In a son. You know where God conceals himself? He conceals himself in the persecuted church. You know where God conceals himself? He conceals himself in orphans and widows. You know where God conceals himself? He conceals himself in a carpenter's son. That is God. <laughs> he never flaunts. Conceals. Yet he is generous. Yet he is not wasteful. <laughs> understand that. These are principles. He never flaunts. I mean, you should understand the hiddenness of God. Where God hides himself. You know where God hides himself? He hides himself in his servants. Where does he hide himself? Let this be etched in your minds, my dear brothers and sisters. So don't look at the servants and say, oh, who are these people? You know what he says? Do not touch my anointed. And that's exactly what they did to Moses. They said, oh, Moses, 
Does God speak to you only? Come fellows, you fellows come with your sensors. Okay? Come with your sensors. You know what happens? All these fellows, they come with their sensors. You know what sensors is? Sensors is your spirit, is your prayer. And when they come with their prayer and they approach God with that wrong spirit, you know what happens? The fire of God comes, comes and consumes all of them. Except the sensor of Moses and Aaron. You know why? God conceals himself in all these simple people who are meek and lowly and they may have their frailties they may have their shortcomings but you know what God conceals himself in all these people and he says touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm it's a glory of God to conceal so what is he saying so don't judge people by external appearance that's what partiality means you know you're so carried away by talent by external appearance by the way they speak the gift of gab if you will mm-hmm Charisma and not character. You know, that's the reason why God says he has made the poor people what? Rich in what? In faith? It says the Macedonian church, their poverty turned into abundance of generosity. I mean, excuse me. Hello, 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 hello. What did you say? Just come again, please. The poverty turned into extent of stinginess. Gadu. No. Extreme liberality. Understand this. So do not judge by appearance. That is without partiality. That means you should ask God for insight. I mean, yesterday, I mean, I, 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 Justin and I were just walk, come, come walking, uh, coming out of our school building. There's a poor lady who came. Now, my heart was, honestly, I was heartbroken when I looked at her. She said, sir, uh, she came without a bindi. She says, I looked at her, she was a Christian. I saw that she was, a, she was a Christian and she came and she, she asked us, I'm, I'm looking for an admission. There's a school over here. I said, I mean, we thought it was, they were coming for the school which is on the first floor. I said, yeah, first floor you can go. So she went there. We were just coming out and, uh, she came to us and she said, uh, sir, uh, I have a son. Um, uh, I, I, I went there, but they're saying that it's not a Christian school. I heard there's a Christian school over here. And I said, yeah, uh, there is a Christian school, but who told you? Uh, somebody told me, and I'm a watchman's wife. I have one son who's in, in the seventh grade. And I want to join my son in your school. And I said, sorry, madam, we don't take admissions because our admissions are closed. And she asked me this question. Do you think I can't afford your fees? <laughs> I looked at her and I said, why? <laughs> First question. No. I will pay. I said, no, no, it's not about the fees. Our admissions are closed. Watchman's daughter, a son. She's a believer. Yeah. So, don't ever judge. With appearance. Sometimes, I, I've, I've seen people, no? People who are actually, actually, when you look at them and you say, you know what, what will they give? They are the most generous givers. They will never trouble you for anything. That is the reason why the Bible says, given what? Secret. Hidden. Because the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and you say, sit here. What have you, what have you done? You have, have you not shown partiality? And have you not become judges with evil thoughts, with evil intentions? Your evil intentions are, your intentions are evil. But you know what? If I flatter this fellow, they will give more offering. This guy, what will he give? Your intentions are like that. We know this famous thing, no? Surely the Lord's anointed is here. That's what he looked at Eliab. 
And you know what Lord said? I do not look at the outward countenance. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at what? I do not look at people's face. I look at the heart. Amazing, isn't it? God sees our hearts. Therefore, this is the law. Even in the law, this is what the warnings he gives. Exodus chapter 23. You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. Just because they have a majority doesn't mean they are right. What have you become? Partial. Because of the majority. Suddenly people will start joining another party. All these days they were this party. Now they become other party. Oh, how? Everybody siding. The wind is blowing onto the other side. Majority is on the other side. Your convictions are not there. You are not politicians, okay, in the church. You are not swayed. Don't look at it. That's what I am saying. Don't look at people's face. You know, one girl who made uh, that incredible error by looking at face, no? Mordecai was in what clothes? Sackcloth and ashes. And he was fasting. Esther heard that Mordecai was in sackcloth and ashes and he was not eating food. Are you uncle? What happened to you? No food? No clothes? Take this food? Take the clothes. You know what Mordecai said? What are you saying? The palace has made you partial. You are judging by outside appearance. You have no idea as to what is happening to your people. No idea. I am not wearing these clothes because I don't have money to wear those clothes. Buy those clothes. Understand this. In a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Be sure never to charge anyone falsely with evil. Never sentence an innocent person or blameless person to death. Okay, I, I like this, uh, this verse. I, I want to, I want to show you something very interesting. Verse three. Do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because the person is. Oh, he's a poor fellow, eh? Oh, yo, let us be partial towards him. That is also partiality. So what you need is what? Discernment. Not judging by external appearance. Mm-hmm. Take no bribes. Why? For a bribe makes you ignore something that you clearly see. <laughs> when you clearly see. Oh, no, for example, I'll give you an example. No, oh, uh, Let us say a guy is a total compromiser. He beats his wife. But he gives a fat offering to the church. And you know it. Hmm? So what will you say? Brother, your offering is not acceptable, you will say, no, very dangerous, a lot of people will not say. You clearly see this fellow as a compromiser. But what has happened? Because he puts money, you say, ah, it's okay, no, don't beat, okay, next time don't beat. Now we don't have the guts of the apostles, you are offering, perish with you. You can't say that. Because you are sold out to the money. That is the reason why fasting and prayer is such an important thing. Because it teaches you to deny yourself and to live on little. You will be like John the Baptist who will go and tell that fellow in his face, it is not lawful for you to have your, 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 your brother's wife. Because you are not going to accept anybody's face. 
A bribe makes even a righteous person to twist the truth. You see that? Because you see, you're a person who's seeing everything in the periphery and not which is inside. You know what the cause does? It gives you discernment. <laughs> it gives you discernment. You know why? Because God hides himself, my dear brothers, in all these little things. It is the glory of God to conceal. It is the glory of kings to reveal itself to us. Okay? The last one. We thought hypocrisy. Now, Derek Prince made up, makes a very powerful state, statement. He says, the opposite of simplicity is duplicity. Kya baat hai? You can put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. <laughs> okay, what is it? The opposite of simplicity is duplicity. You're a duplicate. Meaning what? Full double-sided fellow. You're double-minded. Schizophrenia. You're the person with multiple personality disorder. MPD. Or DID. Whatever you want to call it. Dis- dis- dissociative identity disorder. All the disorders are with you only. You're a dim psychos. You have two souls. One in the church and one at home. Mm-hmm. That is the reason why Second Corinthians chapter 11, it says, But I fear, lest someone, uh, lest somehow as a serpent deceived you by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the, what? The simplicity. That's what I told you. The Lord hides himself in simplicity, my dear brothers. They looked at the simple man and he said, How can this be the Messiah? How can a man who is hanging on the cross be the Messiah? And a Messiah who is hanging on the cross is God? This is God who is crucified? Absolutely. The question is, why is he crucified? How can he be crucified? Why is he crucified? That should be a question. Mm -hmm. How do you overcome? Simplicity? Sorry, duplicity? (laughs) One way. One way I'll give you. Several things, but one way. How can I be transparent? One way. One of the ways. 1 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Everybody say that. Obeying the truth through the spirit. How? In sincere love for your brothers. That is how sincerity comes. By purifying your souls of all its wrong intentions, of all its wrong ideas, of all its soulish thoughts, of all its sensual thoughts, and making it spiritual, so that what you have now is a fervent, sincere love toward your brothers, which is without duplicity. You will not say, oh, to your face, you will not say one thing, and go and stab, stab him behind his back. No. You say to his face, you will still love him. Understand this. This is the way of the cross. Seven attributes. Let us look at it once, once, once more. Seven attributes of divine wisdom. One, it's pure. Second, it is peaceable. What? Third, this gentle meaning what? It's got self-control. It's got moderation. It doesn't get easily angry. What is peaceable? A person who is blameless before God. And what is the end of that ma- that man? The future of that man is what? Peace. He's got a willingness to yield. Meaning what? He doesn't grasp for everything. He yields for the sake of peace. Meaning he's not, he's not compromising on truth. He's like Isaac. Somebody comes and strives with him. He says, take this well and go. Go. Then he goes to another place. People bring all kinds of wrong accusations against you. This is ours, they will say. Sitna. What is it? Sitna. He says, take it and go. And after that, he goes to Rehoboth. You know what? Absolutely. Place, there's a, where there's, where there's plenty of water. Why? Because he was willing to yield and not grab. He's full of mercy 
and good fruit. And what is the good fruit of mercy? I said, I told you, loyalty and trustworthiness. God can entrust souls into your hands because you will not destroy them because you are a person who's become what? Merciful. Verse 6, you are without partiality. You will don't look at outward appearance and make judgments. And one, finally, you have no hypocrisy, meaning there is simplicity and no duplicity. And how is this possible? Because you have obeyed the truth and cleansed your soul of all its wrong motives and wrong intentions so that the result is a fervent, pure love towards your brothers. And this is what is called as divine Wisdom, the wisdom of the cross. You want this wisdom? In this year, 15th year? (laughs) Down the mountain, the river flows and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. Through the valleys and over the fields. Okay, And the river is rushing, the river is here. The river of God sets our feet are dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. So what we say, spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We've entered into a new year. Father, continue to... Father, grant us a grace so that we will apply the cross in every area of our lives in increasing measure so that the attitude and the image of Christ be formed in us in increasing measure even as the days go by. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you all in the evening for the Q&A.